You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. This is episode 34. <laughs> Sometimes I say it for the other podcast I do, and so I pause for a minute like, wait, am I doing that podcast? No, I'm not doing that podcast. I'm doing the Conversationalist Podcast. It's episode 37. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. And uh, I have a little bit of stuff to talk about over the past week. There's a shit ton of stuff going on right now because, I mean, we probably... I could have already prepared, like, another show, and, like, we could probably even do another show tomorrow just based on stuff that's gone on. I mean, I just prepared this a couple of days ago, and already there's just enough fucking content to, like, make a whole other show. So, um, we're gonna... A lot of our stuff lately has been um concentrated around movies uh but uh, we're kind of going a little off the movies today um and we're going to start off with uh games um there's a little bit of stuff on games there's a little stuff having to do with uh, netflix and their shows um you know a couple little tidbits on movies and then obviously we'll go to some uh, on-air tv um first uh we're going to be talking about um call of duty uh with the their new infinite warfare coming out soon and uh obviously you know there's a you know different option um there's the the uh infinite warfare disc that um you know you'll get if you're just paying like the basic 60 bucks or if you're um you know paying like the you know like 80 to 100 dollars uh depending on where you're getting it from you can get the uh call of duty remastered with the infinite warfare disc Initially, I was under the impression that it was going to be two separate discs, and I know a lot of people were kind of like probably thinking initially like, hey, cool, I'm going to get the Infinite Warfare disc, and then even though um, I'm getting it just because I want Call of Duty Remastered, I'm basically going to fucking chunk Infinite Warfare to the side, and I'm just going to play Call of Duty Remastered because, you know, Infinite Warfare looks like shit. Um, You know, hold that thought, because... Uh, according to the story I got off of Kotaku.com, that ain't going to happen. Uh, basically, there is going to be no selling of the Infinite Warfare disc if you want to play the Call of Duty remastered game. Reason being is because the remastered game is going to be a digital download. So with the digital download, it's basically going to require that you have the Infinite Warfare disc in your system in order for you to play the game. So, there is no paying the money for the expensive set, downloading the fucking game, and then getting rid of Infinite Warfare to recoup some of your loss, because then you're not going to be able to play it at all. Pretty fucking lame. You know, because that pretty much means that... Um, I mean, that pretty much ensures for, you know, these game companies that they're not going to lose any sales. You know? I think that's the point. Well, I mean, no, but... I mean, I, I understand that that's the point. I mean, that's exactly the point. If I would rather just play Call of Duty Remastered because I think Infinite Warfare looks like garbage, which that is my stance. I think Infinite Warfare looks like garbage. I wasn't happy with this last expansion um, that they did with Call of Duty. I thought it was fucking terrible. And this one looks even worse. Is it cool? I'm getting Call of Duty Remastered. Way better. Way better disc. Um... But no, you know, I have to keep Infinite Warfare. Some may say, hey, look, you don't have to play the Infinite Warfare disc. You can basically just keep the fucking thing and keep playing Call of Duty. Yes, I'm completely aware of that. But 
you are also paying, you know, this expensive amount of money to get these two games. If you're buying those two games, you should be able to do what you want with those two games. And one shouldn't have to be tied to the other. You're paying all that fucking money. But, of course, that doesn't matter. And they're tying them together so that everybody has to buy that fucking expensive feature in order to get remastered. But I think the the biggest reason of all isn't just that they are concerned about losing the money that they would gain from, you know, just the purchase of the Infinite Warfare disc itself. I think that if that were the case, I think there's more of a concern over the Call of Duty remastered um, game. If it were to not be tied to Infinite Warfare, that it quite possibly could outsell the Infinite Warfare disc. And can you imagine how shitty that would look? If, like, a fucking three-year-old game or whatever, or even, you know, however old, actually outsold their newest content? To me, it seems like... not. Well, yeah, ask Blizzard about that. <laughs> I'm sure they could tell you. Why don't you tell us? Well, I mean, look at WoW. Everyone likes the beginning. Not too many people are crazy about anything that happened after, well, what, like the first two expansions? Well, a, a lot of a lot of people that started playing in vanilla like me, you know, will say, oh, vanilla was the best. Or even if they had to pick an expansion on, you know, an expansion in, in and of itself, a lot of people will say Burning Crusade was where it started to go downhill. A lot of people that they don't necessarily like BC, a majority from what I've seen will usually go with Wrath of the Lich King. That was a good one. Is like the kind of downturn. Pretty much after that, it just went to shit. A lot of people have been actually saying that this recent uh, expansion is by far the best one in a while. Um, I haven't been playing it as much, shame on me, um, but from what I have played, I have actually enjoyed it. Um... There are things that irritate me, though. Like, why did the class halls have to be so confusing? Yeah. Well, I mean, the guild halls, I think, would have been better. I'm not necessarily happy with the class halls, but, I mean, I guess it could have been worse. I mean, they I made mean, that mage hall one, like, in... It's confusing. And then the freaking warlock one, put it in the freaking fight place. Like, <laughs> kill yourself when you go into your class hall. Pass, thank you. I mean, personally, I like to play a warrior, and I was really liking the uh, the Valhalla uh, class hall is actually fucking cool. So, can't complain there. But, a little off topic on Call of Duty, uh, moving back on, is that, uh, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think generally, yeah, they're trying to save their bottom line because they don't want to lose any sales for Infinite Warfare from people that are basically selling it. Um, because they just want Call of Duty, but at the same time, honestly, I think Call of Duty would actually sell more discs than Infinite Warfare. Ultimately, I think at some point, you know, probably within a certain amount of time, they'll probably drop the requirement and allow people to then buy, you know, Call of Duty Remastered once it kind of like tapers off. I can see that happening at some point, but I think it's, I think it's tailored the way it is right now. So that they're getting all that initial money, because well, a lot of people aren't going to. Well, right, so and, well, and people bank on that, and people aren't going to want to wait six months. They want to play remastered now. They're going to wait six months for that shit to be sold. Well, I know we have a child that doesn't want to wait. Yeah, he's fucking already losing his mind. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, I think it's kind of shitty. Um, I mean, personally, I'd rather just play remastered. Um, it works out for me because, like, my son is super excited about Infinite Warfare. He likes the fucking double jump bullshit and all the stuff that was in the last game and all the stupid poses that come at the end of the games. and He's 10. All the fucking super lame armor <laughs> that has, like, you know, like, hella fucking vibrant colors and all that bullshit. I think it's so retarded on so many levels but the young but kids like it the lug kid, yeah the young kids fucking love it and you know that makes their little dicks hard so i mean whatever gets them going but uh i mean me personally call of duty remastered is where it's at it's more realistic it's less fucking lame has less of that fucking mouth breather shit in it so i'll definitely be playing a lot of call of duty remastered and my kid will be playing the new version so um you know but for those that didn't necessarily want to do that. Womp womp. Uh, so, uh, moving on from there, we've never really kind of talked about, uh, um, I don't know, I mean, th- this this has to do with the game, but it's going to be a shit ton of space. Um, the And this is a story from Polygon, and basically, when you get these discs and you're going to install them on your system... You better fucking clear off, like, old games that you haven't been playing in a while. Or you better have already upgraded to, like, a huge hard drive internally or already added an external or done something. Because, um, as it stands right now, these two discs combined are going to be a whopping 130 gigs. That is a fucking ton. I mean, I guess that's not too much of a surprise, only because one game typically of this size runs about 50 or 60 gigs ish isn't that like the space of an ipod bigger i mean like i have the i have an iphone 6 that has 128 gigs these two games would fill this fucking phone up and i'd still be two gigs short so that's a ton of space and you know considering you know this 130 gigs i mean you know, a standard PlayStation 4 is only rocking 500 gigs. You know, so, I mean, that's a ton of space. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to upgrade or start deleting some of your old games. Um, that's just a given. You need to consider updates, patches, a lot of other stuff. Fucking X-Pack content, all these other extra maps you're inevitably going to have to pay for with a fucking season pass. Because what's a new game without releasing it incomplete with only, like, fucking three maps and then making you pay for the other six maps? For another 60 bucks. You know, it wouldn't be a game without that shit. So, um, you know, upgrade or fucking start uh, doing a little spring cleaning on your hard drive because 130 gigs is a shit ton. I mean, obviously, for those that are actually getting Call of Duty Remastered with Infinite Warfare, if you're just getting Infinite Warfare, I mean, obviously, 50 or 60 gigs probably is not a problem. But uh, that said, there's your warning. If you, if you weren't familiar, ton of space, clean it up. Uh, your hard drive, that is. And uh, we'll be moving on uh, from games to something that we really haven't covered, and uh, that's uh, clothing. What's funny is that this fucking story actually found on Yahoo Finance, which it's like, what does Yahoo Finance have to do with fucking clothing? But it's in regards to a charity, so you see where that kind of ties in. Um, Nike is going to be raffling off 89 pairs of Back to the Future 2-inspired gray self-lacing high tops. Um, the raffle tickets are going to be about $10, and you can actually purchase these tickets um, 
on the, uh, let me see, it's the Nike Plus app that you can actually get, I think, on either Android um, or um, iPhone. And um, you can actually purchase as many tickets as you want. There's no limit. Again, it's $10 each. And all of the proceeds are going to benefit the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research. Um, you know, the, the sale for the tickets are actually going to be ending tomorrow on October 11th. So... Um, if you plan on getting these shoes or you're hoping to be lucky enough to win a pair of the, one of these 89 pairs of sneakers, um, you need to be purchasing these tickets by the end of tomorrow in order to win. Um, the winner is going to be announced uh, within about a week's time, so they're going to announce the winner on October 17th. Um, I mean, if you're lucky enough to win one of these pairs of shoes, I mean, these shoes are probably going to be worth a shit ton of money. Um, Why 89? Is that when the movie came out? Is it? Probably, yeah, it's fucking old. Cause that's just like a random number. Like, why not round it off to ninety? Probably because it came out in eighty nine. Duh. I just asked that. <laughs> oh man, so. Uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something. I totally forgot. So, um, you know, if you're if you're interested in the shoes, do that. Obviously, they're awesome shoes. If you're not familiar with what they look like, there's. I mean, if you just type in fucking Back to the Future 2 sneaker, you're going to get like a, a gajillion Google hits on it and, you know, have all the images of it. Or you can just not be lame and then just watch Back to the Future 2. And then I while you're... I do not know what they look like. Have you been living under a rock? Yeah. I mean, just just for, for the fuck of it, just just to go watch the whole trilogy. Just watch the first one, watch the second one, watch the third one, and just bask in the awe of how great of a fucking trilogy that is and how awesome Michael J. Fox is. And, uh... Why am I drawing a blank on Emmett Brown? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I'm probably drawing a blank on him because I'm so jaded by his attitude at fucking Silicon Valley Comic Con when he showed up for a panel for a fucking indie film that he did that he showed up fucking over almost an hour late for and only stayed for 10 minutes and then bounced early. That's probably why. Yeah, he totally didn't want to be there. Yeah, didn't answer any questions on the Q&A. Nothing. So that was pretty disappointing. Anyways... Um, now what people have speculated based on this show is that, uh, Nike is probably gauging the interest of this shoe or at least the excitement of the technology of self-lacing tennis shoes to where they may possibly start actually offering this as something that they might incorporate into future shoes, um, as far as the self-lacing technology, you know, kind of as an opportunity to kind of segue the market somewhere else I mean, because how much can you really innovate with a shoe i mean obviously self-lacing shoes are the way to go i mean fucking those you gotta be lazy though but no i'm just not not even i'm not even from a lazy standpoint but like okay when michael j fox is in the future and he's slipping on those fucking tennies and he pushes his heel in that's just all just fucking kind of just laces that didn't have to do with laziness that was just fucking cool like really cool yeah, how much are they gonna charge for that? A lot. Just tie your own damn shoes. No, I mean, if I if they come out with a, a, an affordable price self lacing shoe, I will probably justify that expenditure to own at least one pair of shoes. Because I've been wanting a fucking self lacing pair of shoes since I was old enough to remember watching, you know, fucking uh, Back to the Future two for the first time. So I'll be damned if, like, you know, at thirty three years old. 
I'm not going to be able to justify a small purchase on a fucking pair of shoes that have fucking, you know, self-lacing shoelaces. I finally lived long enough to see some badass technology out of, out of, uh, um, Back to the Future 2 that actually exists that I'm not going to get. Like, for instance, I don't really skateboard. They do not have existing hoverboards (laughs) like they do in Back to the Future 2. That caught on fire and made everyone die and electrocute. No. (laughs) You bite your lip right now. Those aren't real hoverboards. Those are bullshit, stupid, little crappy fucking wheel rolling. I don't know what those are. They call them hoverboards, but those are not real hoverboards. A real hoverboard is actually hoverounds that Tom Cruise with a K sells on TV. (laughs) It's just you take away the seat, and then it's like, oh look, Granny can sit on skate around on this hoverboard, but then it's like, oh, Granny's gonna fall and eat it and catch on fire. That was a slap in the face to what real hoverboards are. Real hoverboards are what you see in Back to the Future. They're a fucking skateboard that floats on the ground. And I'm not talking about any of this bullshit where, like, a company has come out with a fucking hoverboard that floats, but you have to be on a metal surface so that it's actually using some sort of magnetic, uh, you know, like, magnets on the bottom so that, you know, it's using magnetism in order to float. I'm talking about legitimate fucking anti-gravity flotation skateboards. That's a real fucking hoverboard. Will we ever see it in our lifetime? I fucking pray that we do. Hopefully we do. I don't skateboard. But if they come out with a fucking legitimate hoverboard from Back to the Future 2, I don't care if I'm 90 years old, I will fucking buy one. I will. So, I mean, obviously, you know, biggest of all those things, floating cars. I'll even settle for a newspaper that changes the news every day so you don't have to ever buy a newspaper ever again. That would also be pretty cool. Um, Except who wants the newspaper here? Or what about a fucking jacket that dries after you get submerged in water? Press a little button on the end of your little tab. Your jacket is now dry. Yeah, anyway. That is tizzy. I mean, that jacket was actually plain cool, too. I wouldn't mind owning that also. Probably hella expensive, and it doesn't dry itself, so womp womp. Um, so again, recap, 89 pairs, 10 bucks, 10 bucks per raffle ticket. You can buy the raffle tickets only on the Nike Plus app that you have to download. And make the purchase through the app. Ends October 11th. Announcement made for winners October 17th. Go buy some. Help support. To help find a cure for Parkinson's disease. And. As we continue on with our program. We move on to television. And that's a sort of. Uh, This story comes from wheretowatch.com. And Netflix uh, has set a release date for Iron Fist via a teaser trailer that basically just announces the date of which it is. Um, I know that they have actually released a little more as far as Iron Fist goes because of um, New York Comic Con, which just passed. Um, The release date is going to be March 17th, 2017. Not terribly far away. I know that, uh, you know, Luke Cage just released recently. Amanda and I were kind of piecemealing through that. I think part of it wasn't necessarily that we were lazy and not wanting to watch it. Me, I was more reluctant about, like, getting through all of Luke Cage and then, like, not having nothing to watch. Because, like, it was, a, it was a pretty good show. And, um, you know, there were a lot of stories going around where it's like, oh, is Luke Cage going to, like, you know, mess up Jessica Jones? You know, because it's like Luke Cage was actually a really good character in Jessica Jones. And there was 
enough of him that it made him sort of mysterious and like he kind of wanted to see more of him and Jessica Jones. You know, and then they give him his own spinoff. And so now the question is, is like, okay, like is his storyline going to kind of fuck with or like, you know, even supersede, you know, Jessica Jones and kind of like pull a little bit away from from like her storyline or like, you know, the character arc or any of that stuff. Because it's like Jessica Jones is like, you know, one of the more popular, one of the more popular shows Marvel wise on Netflix. And not only that, but she's like one of a few fucking female leads in the Marvel universe. I mean, she actually has her own show. I mean, the last woman that had her own show was, uh, was Agent Carter and her shit got canceled. I mean, obviously that was on network television though, but still, um, you know, you haven't had somebody like Black Widow, you know, have her own movie, you know, obviously for good reason. She's not really a super, she's super enough to be affiliated with the Avengers, but not super enough to have fucking power, you know, but then you have Jessica Jones where she does have powers and she does have her show and she's able to carry it well and everybody likes it. It's just, you know, that I can see where there's some concern where, you know, there could be, you know, like a little pull away from her show and, you know, people be generally more interested in Luke Cage. And then I know that uh, Amanda and I, when we were talking about this before, is like, oh man, Jessica Jones is getting pushed like way back. Why is that? You know, obviously Punisher's coming out with the own standalone. You have Iron Fist. And then there was news of the Defenders too, which we'll get into in a minute. Kind of getting off topic with the Iron Fist show. Um, but to provide a synopsis of the television show, uh, basically 15 years after being presumed dead in a plane crash, Danny Rand, who's Finn Jones, mysteriously returns to New York City Determined to reclaim his birthright and family company, however, when a long-destined enemy rises in New York, this living weapon is forced to choose between his family's legacy and his duties as the Iron Fist. Um, that sounds like Arrow. Doesn't it? It does, very much so. Like a lot. Like, yeah, a ton. Well, you know what, though? I mean, it's Marvel and DC. It's Pepsi and Coke. You're going to get a little... Gonna get a little fucking uh, residual guess. copy. I mean, there's... But, like, a lot. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll see if uh, Iron Fist is just a better show. Maybe it's a better show. It probably will be because it's not on a network. Yeah, probably. I concur with that assessment. Um, I know, I know most will probably be waiting for this because they've already binged on Luke Cage. So, I mean, it's probably going to be a good show, and I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, happy when this shit comes out. But, um, you know, to kind of get back to Netflix and all these television shows that we're waiting for, obviously one of them being Punisher. Holy shit, can't come soon enough. But, um, you know, if you've already watched Luke Cage, we're not going to fucking spoil anything for you, is, uh, you know, they're tying all the other universes in there. They're talking about the Punisher. They're talking about what happened to Fisk. They're talking about Daredevil. They're talking about Jessica Jones. You know, they're tying them all together. And with the Defenders, they are all getting tied together. The Defenders is everybody. The Defenders includes Jessica Jones. It includes Luke Cage. It includes Iron Fist. It includes Daredevil. So um, I believe there was another character. I don't know if he was announced, but there was another person that I believe was going to be associated with the Defenders. And I believe I just fucking plain forgot. But uh, we are going to see all of these characters in one show together which is why you can see the justification and say pushing back of a standalone show like jessica jones further up because you're still getting jessica jones with 
the defenders. So uh, not a bad thing. I know initially we're kind of like, fuck, that's a long time. But now it makes sense. How dare us, you know, question Marvel's wisdom. Right? Right. Right. Did you see the uh, little reveal for Iron Fist? Nope. Or the dude that plays Iron Fist or any of that stuff? Nope. He's a hunk. Man. You'd be like, oh my god. Iron you forgot Rosario Dawson. They were saying she might be associated with the Defenders. Remember her night? Well, because she's the night nurse. Yeah. And so she's obviously going to be associated with the Defenders in some way, shape, or form. Only because, I mean, she's already been in Daredevil. I mean, she's already been, like, premiering in all the other Marvel shows. Um, and then it was um, this she, other one, too. The Detective, Misty. Okay, right. Face. Yeah, Misty so, Knight. I mean, again, we're not trying to fucking spoil anything with with uh, Luke Cage, but Rosario Dawson plays... Oh, it's plays, been out long enough. Go yeah, watch it. Rosario Dawson plays a major role in it and kind of has some sort of love interest with Luke Cage... Obviously, she helps him. I mean, she helped Daredevil when he was fucking, you know, messed up. And so, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much her powers. That she's a nurse and she's basically providing medical um, services for these superheroes when they're getting fucked up. So, uh, with that said, you know, you're going to see her in all these other shows basically continuing to play that role. Um, now, with the detective that's associated with the storyline involved with Luke Cage is that you're going to see... You know, kind of a lot of the problems that she has in the story arc as it relates to Luke Cage and how she's slowly going to develop into what you're going to see where at the very end of the show she um, pulls a little flyer that somehow ties in Iron Fist. And so um, she actually is going to be like a sidekick character to Iron Fist. Do you remember the name of the character that she's uh, supposed to be filling the role of? You're confusing her with Rosario Dawson. She's the one that pulls the flyers for Colleen Wright for the martial arts class. Right, right. Oh. Misty Knight just dons a cute little suit and an afro, and that's how she kind of goes on to her. I mean, eventually. Well, right. So I am, I am, I am, uh, I am confusing them as far as where they were with the pulling of the flyer. Misty does end up with Iron Fist later on, I believe, because she's and Colleen, because she's got some kind of bionic deal that happens later. That's built by Stark uh, Industries. Which is what I was going to mention earlier, and you were you were also talking about how like you know several of her characters exist in multiple timelines and all that kind of thing, and. Yeah, How she, she doesn't have a lot it. of <laughs> doesn't have a lot of good luck in a lot of those timelines. Um, but yeah, I did mistake the those two at the very end uh, with the flyer. So good thing you corrected me on that because I would would have sounded like a fucking retad. Uh, so with very that said, intricate universe there. Yeah, a lot of shit going on. A lot of shit going on. Way to go, Marvel and Netflix. Just make it all crazy. <laughs> Yeah, fucking crap. I'm over here thinking I know what I'm talking about. And I mostly am, except I fucked that part up. So, um, again, good times. Lots of shit coming out. Um, yeah, go watch Little Cage if you haven't. It's fucking really good. You know what's crazy is I gotta talk about this now that I'm thinking about it. This wasn't even part of the agenda on our show, but fuck it. We're already talking about Luke Cage, talking about Netflix. There were, there were stories basically saying that Luke Cage was too black, 
It was racist. That it was basically racist and that it was just too black. Because there's no white people in it. How in the fuck? And I'm thinking like, okay, there, the, like the detective was white. There were other people that were white. There were a lot of Hispanic characters. There's not a whole lot of white in there, but who cares? Because it's not supposed to be. Cause if it's about black, Harlem. Exactly. It's a black superhero in a black neighborhood. And there's a part that's Spanish, Spanish Harlem. That's not for white people either. Exactly. It's, people get offended over everything. Well, if we think back, I mean, did Harlem have a white person problem? No. I mean, did it have a white gang problem in Harlem? No. It's predominantly black and Hispanic gangs. I mean, and that's not a white person neighborhood. And that's not a racist thing because it's a true to life statement. Like, you know, there wasn't like a black city council with like a predominantly black population complaining about the white problem <laughs> or, nope. you know, about the white gang problem. I mean, it's, I, I, it, it's, it's, I was dumbfounding to read that like it was too black, therefore racist. It's like, how does that even work? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It seemed like it represented a good demographic of everything and didn't seem very racist at all. <laughs> I mean, I complain too much. Yeah, I mean, there were. I don't know. I mean, maybe I should just get off this topic because I feel like I'm going to go somewhere with it. It probably doesn't need to go. But just, yeah, I mean, just too many social justice warriors and PC people trying to find and nitpick everything to death. The the Luke Cage show, um, you know, as a show, as a, um, as a comic book character coming to life. It's very true to the comics, and I think they did a really good job of showing the character development of Luke Cage, and I think just did an all a good, you know, just an all around good job of like the representation of like what what you what you do see from the comics and like you know what you ex- expect like the demographic to look like. I mean, there were a lot of white officers, but there were also black officers. You know, there's a you know predominantly black neighborhood, obviously with a lot of black people. You know, there's parts of Spanish Harlem where there's a lot of Spanish and Latinos. There's some you know Chinese people, and obviously when you're telling when they're telling the story about Luke Cage when, um, you know he's in prison. You know, some of the doctors obviously are white. You know, some of the prison guards are white. I mean, they're, and I know that's like oh well, a lot of the white people are in positions of power that are typically, you know, um. You know, obviously, they're the ones, like, oppressing the black people, but the, the white people are in those those spots. It's just, uh, I think people are just really looking a little too into that. Um, just appreciate it for what it is, a good show. So, um, with that said, we are going to move on to something having to do with Netflix, but not necessarily having to do with the show. Um... This uh, actually came from L.A. Times, and uh, there's a it's a uh, it's a group called NATO, and no, I'm not talking about the uh, world powers. I'm talking about the National Association of Theater Owners, they're not very happy with Netflix because Netflix um, just entered into an agreement with a luxury exhibitor called iPick Entertainment, and so basically, um, iPick has several. Um, theaters about 15 high-end theaters um but the ones that are important are their theaters that are in los angeles and in new york and uh 
basically with this agreement that IPIC has entered with Netflix, it allows Netflix to qualify for original movies for movie awards. Um, all they have to do um, in terms of being able to qualify for movie awards is they obviously they need to have a theatrical release. It's absolutely necessary. If theaters refuse to display a Netflix movie, Netflix is never going to win any awards for no matter how good their movies are, which is always why Netflix, and you'll, you'll see, you know, going back a year or more, Netflix trying to get their, you know, movies on theatrical release, but they also want to release them simultaneously on their platform while they're being shown in the movie theater. But the movie theaters don't want it played in the movie theaters, or they don't want the movies played in the movie theaters because they want exclusivity for like three months. You know, they don't want to have to compete with Netflix because they're like, hey, look, people have the option to watch a shit on Netflix. They're not going to come to the movie theater. But the reason this makes sense is iPick is a little different from your typical movie theater experience. You know, when you're talking about movie theaters, thinking about Edward Cinemas, Pacific Theaters, United Artists, whatever, all of those types of movie theaters, they're typically between $8 and $10, $15, whatever, depending on if you're watching it on, you know, 3D or whatever it is. But the bottom line is, is that's the typical movie experience you get from most theaters. With iPick movie theaters, they're actually kind of like a luxury theater, and I actually just said luxury exhibitor, where they... Um, actually they serve alcohol um, they serve food you know they have nicer chairs it's like you're paying for the experience and so like tickets typically cost like 30 bucks so it's a little more you know higher end movie theater experience that uh, that you're getting and so obviously if you want to see you know, if you want to see a movie, you know, there might be a movie that comes out from Netflix and you might be like, shit, that actually looks like a really cool movie. Maybe we'll go see it in the theater instead of, um, you know, watching it at home. You know, why not? You know, there's some movies where you might be, okay, like, let's say John Wick. Let's say John Wick went, like, straight to fucking Netflix or something. I'd be like, um, I want to see this on a big screen. So I'd justify going out there to fucking pay to see it in the big screen. So it makes sense, especially if it's a place like that. Um, you know, so uh, basically, obviously them having it in a the theater, it has to be shown in Los Angeles at a minimum. It's a bonus if it gets, also gets shown in New York. It's also, um, you know, one of the many requirements is that it be a feature-length movie. It can't be some short little 45-minute film. And it has to run for at least a week. Um in the movie theaters and it has to be a movie that hasn't already been shown prior to theatrical release so if it was something like where netflix made a movie they showed it on netflix and then try to do a theatrical release it's automatically not going to qualify for any sort of rewards or awards it basically has to be shown either simultaneously theater date netflix date or it has to be shown in theaters and then released on netflix but it can't be the other way around so as long as they do, you know, qualify for most of those rules, um, they'll be able to have their movies, you know, considered for stuff like the Oscars or whatever. Um, the deal with IPIC is only for 10 movies. So the first movie that um, their agreement was for is The Siege of uh, Jattleville. Um I haven't really looked into that movie, um, but that's the first movie that's uh, under their contract. That movie actually just released this past Friday, so um, 
you know, I guess at this point you can either watch it on Netflix or uh, if you live in the L.A. area or any area where there's an IPIC theater, you might want to go check the movie out at one of those uh, luxury exhibitor movie theaters. Um, you know, from... I mean, with the, with a deal like this, I mean, do you see this being good or bad for the movie industry? I mean, what do you think? I don't see how it'll hurt it. It's just like having some indie person come in there and make a movie. I mean, so what? Someone else gets to show a film. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, I to me, it just seems like movie theater owners are um, basically just trying to protect their industry as much as they can by keeping any sort of change from occurring to me it doesn't seem like this necessarily hurts um any of the movie theater owners and i know a lot of these movie theater owners basically have a beef with ipic now because ipic basically decided to go with netflix and the movie thing as opposed to you know staying within the ranks and basically telling netflix to kick rocks i mean ultimately this deal specifically even in terms of the bigger picture doesn't hurt the other movie theater owners because if they're not showing it how is it hurting their bottom line if they're so concerned with their lack of movie patrons they should stop raising their prices and they'd probably see some of their customers come back i mean that's part of the reason people don't go to the movies is because it's so expensive and it doesn't need to be that expensive. They could lower their costs if they wanted to, and they don't. I mean, you don't have to pay celebrities that much to make a movie. Who needs to be paid $5 million to make a movie? You really don't. I mean, you don't. They're not. Most of them aren't worth it. And studios could cut their costs back if they needed to for production, which would lower the cost of a movie ticket. I mean, it's a whole big thing. But they could cut, you know, they could cut their costs if they wanted to. And honestly, there will always be people that want to see movies on a big screen. And they will go to a theater to see it. They're not going to stay at home. And they're not going to stream it. They're not going to watch it on their computer. They're not going to watch it from some service that you pay for monthly. They're going to go see it in a theater first. So they don't have, you know, these theater owners don't have to cry over it. Because they're not going to be losing any money. Yeah, I mean, there are some people that just, you know, don't have Netflix. They don't, you know, watch their shit on Hulu. They don't have super high-end, you know, high-speed internet. You know, there are still people that do still want to go to the theater and watch these films. And if they at least have these films out, you know, they can make some money. But, you know, whereas they're basically saying, oh, we don't get exclusivity, then we don't want it. I mean, basically they're saying is... Oh, there's not, you know, 100% chance of us fucking packing the theater. We're not going to play it. But there's fucking movies that do get released with exclusivity. And you go to the movie theater, and guess what? We're like the only two people in there. Right? I mean, how many times... Uh, Amanda and I have gone to a movie a couple of times where there's a movie that's... You know, a movie that, you know, basically is only released in theaters. Obviously, it's not simultaneously shown on Netflix... We're expecting it to be like super packed. We show up at like a seven o'clock showing on a fucking Sunday or something. We'll walk in there and there'll be like eight other people. So how is that exclusivity exactly helping them sell tickets? Not really. Because, I mean, are you, I mean, 
Could you argue that if Netflix was there that those other eight people wouldn't be? Probably not. You know, I mean, the exclusivity I don't think is is going to significantly boost numbers for people that just want to go to the movies. Well, I mean, if you look at it, you go to our dollar theater that has movies that are sometimes out in the red box at the same time. Pack movie theater, red box movie. I mean, look at it. Yeah. Like I said, there are people that will always want to go see it on a big screen as opposed to their living room. It just depends on what it is. So really, they don't have anything to cry over. Right. It's just, they think they're going to be losing money and they really need to get over that. Well, you know, another thing too is that, you know, as far as concessions go, you know, a lot of people like, they want to sneak in their candy, they want to sneak in their drinks. We're guilty. We do it. And, you know, now you have theaters that are basically like, oh, we're going to check bags. You can't bring in outside food. And they're actually going as far to wanting to check bags so that you don't bring shit in. Who wants to go to a movie theater where they can't even fucking sneak in their own candy? You know, it's like, I'm not going to bring $30 to buy your fucking tub of popcorn, your single candy, and your medium drink. So, I am not... I'm not. It's not hurting your bottom line because I'm bringing a candy and a soda into a theater, so that I don't pay your fucking thirty dollars. Because if you don't let me bring my drink or fucking candy inside, guess what? I'm not gonna still buy your fucking popcorn and candy and drink because I don't want to spend thirty dollars. And it's like if you're gonna do that, why do I want to show up to your theater? Yeah. Like I'll just go to a theater that doesn't check a bag. I really don't appreciate my purse being searched. It's none of your damn business what's in my bag. There's yeah. no gun in there. And the thing or, is, is... a recording device that you're looking for, which could be anybody's cell phone, just throwing that out there. Well, and, and you know, if it's... And a lot of times they try to, they, they try to justify this fucking... Um, this bullshit, you know, search of your bags as a, a safety concern for, like, weapons. But they just look at it. They just kind of glance in there. They don't touch your bag. They don't look through your bag. So what exactly are they searching for weapons? I mean, it's a fucking, it's a facade, man. It's just bullshit. They're just trying to get in your fucking bag to make sure you're not bringing in concessions because, you know, they're losing money, air quotations. Like, it's, it's such, it's so ridiculous. Because, like, a dollar theater in town can somehow manage to operate with a minimal staff selling, you know, their popcorn significantly cheaper selling hot dogs for significantly less money, selling pretzels for significantly less money, and, and sodas and all that stuff. And people are actually buying a ton of it. You know, a ton of hot dogs, fucking boxes of hot dogs, selling like popcorn. a dollar a hot dog. Right, what I'm saying is that they're selling them at reasonable prices, but somehow they're able to stay profitable enough to stay open. Well, yeah, because they're, they're reasonably priced, and people that have big families can actually afford to still buy their movie ticket and buy food. Right, and it's like with like a place like Edwards Theaters or something, you're paying like okay for a family of four, we're gonna spend a minimum thirty fucking dollars to go see a movie, and then on top of that to have snacks for everybody, you're gonna spend another thirty bucks. You're gonna spend at least sixty dollars on popcorn, candy, and fucking ticket sales. Whereas if you went to you know a dollar theater, and I'm not even gonna you know add the the cost of the ticket in and compare it that way because it'd be unfair, but if you were if you were to go to um, their concession stand and buy 
a bag of popcorn, uh, you know, three hot dogs, two drinks. You may only spend like half of the cost, maybe 10 or maybe less than $15 for sure, maybe just over 10 bucks. And that to me is reasonable. I could do that. But, you know, that's also considering that you're only spending like less than $10 to get into a movie theater. Whereas obviously with a, you know, full price movie theater, you're paying double that. And then you're still paying, you know, 10 times more than the food is worth that you're buying. So I don't know. I don't think it's hurting the bottom line. I think it's really the movie theaters that need to change if they want to survive. Um, you know, obviously streaming is the future and, you know, they're going to have to either adapt or they're going to die because the only way that they're managing to survive right now is by adding money on top of ticket prices, by charging more for IMAX, by charging more for 3D, by charging more for RPX. But the thing is, is that's not packing theaters, you know, exactly. It's not packing theaters. It's they're able to supplement it because, okay, now we're, you know, now we're getting this much sales from all the expensive tickets, but they're not getting butts in the seats. You know, I mean, how smart would it be if they just provided a better level um, of service for the same price? What if there was a movie theater that say, okay, one movie theater is always doing $10 tickets, right? And they do, they're doing $15 IMAX or something, you know, or $16 RPX IMAX or whatever. But then there's another movie theater that says, hey, you know what? We're going to do, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like $12 for IMAX and it's going to be $8 for movies, standard def. Who's going to go to the other place that's charging $10 standard def and 15 for IMAX when you can go to another place that's offering the IMAX for 12 and the fucking regular cost ticket for 8 you're going to go to the place that's offering you a better experience for less money. Right. You know, and that doesn't happen. The problem is, is all of these movie theaters are just like cable companies. They all get together and try to fucking decide what the standard price is going to be so that they don't compete against each other so that no matter where you go, you're paying the same price. And it's just the same with a cable company. You fucking have, you only have so many cable companies that you can choose from and they all more or less fucking stay within a certain guideline of what they charge for what they provide so that there's no true competition and the prices never fluctuate. It's bullshit. So I think that this is good for the industry, and as soon as fucking Hulu and Amazon and all these other places get thrown into the mix, trying to do the same thing Netflix is doing, we're going to see, I think, a positive change in the movie industry that's going to basically... You know, they're going to have to change for the better. They're going to have to provide a better product if they want to stay relevant. So, uh, moving on. Um, we're getting on to movie releases. And um, uh, Wolverine 3 is uh, set to release uh, March 3rd, 2017. Um, I guess the title for the movie is going to be called Logan. And obviously it's going to star Hugh Jackman, uh, who has indicated this is going to be his last run as Wolverine. He did say that the last time he made a Wolverine movie, but I think they showed him the money, and so now this is supposed to be his last one. So I think pretty much what this comes down to is that he's not necessarily interested in doing a you know a, a Wolverine movie, but if he gets paid enough, he'll fucking do it. So um, 
what he said is this one's going to be different from the the tone of his other movies. I know there was a lot of rumors as to whether or not this Wolverine movie was going to be a solid R rating. Um, uh, he's basically said that this movie was going to be um, a different tone. So uh, this is supposed to follow an iconic Old Man Logan storyline where he loses mutant powers and he interacts with several Marvel characters while journeying across America um, as he begins to grow old. And so um, there was a report from June that claimed the title was actually going to be Weapon X. But, I mean, at this point we know it's going to be Logan. Um, I think they thought this because in the last movie there was like a vial of blood that gets stolen. And so this is kind of um, foreshadowing... Where somebody who's working for Mr. Sinister um, steals a vial of blood from Wolverine. And then this ends up, uh, this vial of blood basically gets used to create um, the uh, mutant clone X-23. That character hasn't been confirmed for the movie. But, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not we'll actually see the character in the movie. Um, As far as whether or not this is an end to Wolverine or Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine... I don't necessarily think this is an end of Wolverine. There's so many different storylines going on. You know? Like, as far as, like, whether they actually match with everything else. I think the Wolverine's, like, too important a Marvel character for him not to be introduced in some other storyline at some point. As far as, um, Hugh Jackman's involvement, it's hard to imagine somebody else playing Wolverine because he's been doing it for so long. And he looks like, he really looks the part, you know, obviously. I mean, just, I mean, from the cartoons, he looks like he was actually, like, ripped from the cartoon pages. But, um, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, we'll see more of him. Whether or not it's Jackman playing it, that's a whole other story. I can't imagine who would play him at this point, but, you know, I guess with some good casting, anything's possible. Yeah. Very astute input on that one. Yeah. Meow. Meow. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of moving in on movies, you know, getting off of uh, Logan. Um, we talked about this last week, but John Wick 2 released a teaser trailer at uh, New York Comic Con. And uh, we've already shared it on our Facebook page, uh, That Conversationalist. And we've also shared it on our Twitter feed in case you want to take a look at it. Basically, this movie does take place in Italy. And they did release, like, um, you know, there was, a, there was a small teaser trailer. It was only about 15 seconds long. And then they released um, a little bit of a longer trailer. It's like a minute and something. So um, we did share that. Um, take a look at it. Looks great. Um, absolutely had to share that. I talked about it last time. Totally in John Wick. Um, so we have those on the Facebook page and the Twitter. Um so, moving off of highly anticipated movies, right into another. Uh, this is from MoviePlot.com. And Norman Reedus confirms that Boondock Saints 3 is a thing. Um, it's legitimate. The movie's going to be called Boondock Saints 3 Legion. Uh, the plot of the movie is that uh, it'll involve legions of people that... Uh, are going to be taking the law into their own hands and uh, following in the footsteps of their brothers. Um, for basically, um, at the end of the center of the first two films, where you know, obviously they 
I mean, the fucking they're vigilantes, and people were like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, you know, but part three is going to focus on the people that uh, decide to go vigilante as well. Hmm. Um, what's crazy is, okay, I love the first Boondock Saints. Absolute fucking cult classic. The first one was utterly amazing. Perfectly done. The second one? Eee. The second one was terrible by comparison. I don't really remember the second one. Oh, the second one wasn't was not nearly as good as the first one by any way, shape, or form. Storyline got a little. I think they tried too hard. What they did is they tried too hard to make it significantly better than the first one, and they fell flat. There were a lot of different things that they added that weren't even in the formula for the first one that just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, like. Uh, there would be transitions from like one part of the story going into another or when they'd introduce that kind of attractive looking woman that's in the movie and like she'd kind of be dancing around that would be the transition from one point to another it'd be like two seconds of her dancing around looking sexy and you're like the fuck like why it's like why couldn't just be like the first one like why is that even relevant it was just stupid shit like that um so the second one was disappointing um but, uh, you know, I still appreciated the movie to a certain extent because of what it was. But uh, definitely didn't live up to the first one by any means. So I hope that with the third one in Legion that uh, they kind of go back to the formula from the first movie. I think in order to kind of like redeem themselves for the uh, failures of the second one. I really hope they don't try to, they don't think that the second one... Uh, needs to have any sort of following or you know they basically i just hope that they don't you know feel like the second one was successful enough uh they really do need to make you know redo the magic of the first one um so there's my hope for that now we're also talking about norman reedus associated with boondock saints 3 um he'd actually done a reddit ama uh, rather recently and um there was a user that had asked him about uh, sean patrick flannery um, who's obviously his co-star in the Boondog Saints films. And it was in regards to The Walking Dead. And um, they were asking whether or not, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery would end up being a character in The Walking Dead. And uh, Norman Reedus is basically like, Sean would be great on the show. He's a real-life ninja. And so, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, elaborate on, you know, what the hopes are for... Boondock Saints 3, but I think I've already covered that, and being that Amanda doesn't really remember Boondock Saints 2. I don't. Um, we can't really provide that comparison, but... Um, I don't remember it at all. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we can kind of move off of that. Um, again, pretty much just hope that it's like 1 and a fucking lot less like 2. Um, so, to kind of comment on his... Uh, you know, his, his answer, you know, basically from the Reddit AMA in regards to Son Patrick, uh, Son Patrick Flannery basically getting introduced into the Walking Dead world. Um, what role do you think Flannery would play if that ever happened? What do you think? I have no idea. I mean, are we thinking like long-term character? Yeah, or... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, okay, I mean, do you see him as a short-term character? Do you see him as a long-term character? I mean, I mean, what role do you think he'd play? Would he be an extra? 
You think he'd play like a a, a semi minor role where he kind of is a recurring role, but he's kind of indirectly involved with them, or do you see him being like a like a major bad guy or you know an additional member to the group? You know, like what do you mm, think? Probably not a group member. They seem to be really picky about those. I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about the comics to know who's coming up to be. But I mean, they don't necessarily have to follow the storyline. I mean, technically, Norman Reedus's character shouldn't even be there. Well, right. But everyone else that they they're bringing in this season, like the areas and the people, for the most part, they're all there. I don't know, but they could always. I mean, but I'm saying, like, just a matter from like what you think. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Daryl Dixon's an X factor in the group. Why not bring in another? Or why not just throw a different bad guy into the mix that could be something different than, you know, the deviates from the storyline? I mean, because obviously they've shown that they don't have a problem deviating. So, I mean, what I mean, what do you think? Like, if you're the fucking writer, you're the guy thinking about this, you want to cast this dude for this role, I mean, where do you put him? I don't know. He'd probably have his own group. Maybe... Maybe he'd be a Rick type character, but maybe a little, I don't know, morally askew. (laughs) I think that he would end up being some sort of like little Irish gangster with a bunch of little Irish fools with him. And every time uh, his guys are like going to go out and like do some runs. There's always going to be some guys in the group that want to grab extra rope. And he's always going to give them shit for bringing the extra rope. And it'll always be a little nod to when he was giving his co-star shit in the original (laughs) Boondock Saints. Where he gives them crap for bringing the rope to the hit on the Russians. And obviously the rope played out. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I know, probably, I mean, I guess that's not really a serious assessment. I mean, I guess if he was going to be, um, I-, I could see him being involved as kind of a uh, an important character to a certain extent. So not necessarily a member of the group, probably um, somebody like, uh, God damn it, like, um, who's that one guy who, uh, I can't remember the, the character's name, but he was the guy that was like, following them around to see if they were like good members of the group to see if they were worthy of coming back to like Alexandria or whatever. And then I think his name was Aaron. Aaron. Okay. So I think I could see him being like a character like Aaron. Like he's not necessarily like a you know main member of the group. He doesn't make a shit ton of appearances and like a lot of, you know, as far as importance goes and some of the other stuff, but he's also kind of a character that you're familiar with. He he pops in just enough for you to remember him, um, but like he doesn't really play any like pivotal roles. But could, at some point if need be, you know what I mean. So I could see him kind of like being in that sort of role. I guess. I don't know. You're just like whatever. Why are we still talking about Sean Patrick Fenry? He hasn't done shit since Boonock Saints. You got that fucking face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been on some TV shows since then. No, he hasn't done any relevant TV, though. That's your face right now. You're just, like, answering those with your face. I'm tired. 
Yeah, you're always tired. So, um, being that we're talking about Redis, our final topic's going to be a segue into Walking Dead. This story's from comicbook.com. And uh, basically, AMC reveals that they're going to have a two-hour retrospective special. So essentially what this is, is they're going to air a special that's going to air on October 16th. It's going to be from 9 to 11 p.m. Uh, I believe this uh, Pacific time, right? Or is it Eastern time? From when? 9 to 11. I don't yeah. know. You didn't put... I know. I didn't put fucking PST. I think I'm asking you. Goddamn. So anyways... I didn't read it. <laughs> You're the it's, one that would know. Anyways, it's going to air from 9 to 11 um, on AMC uh, a week before the official premiere of Season 7. So it's going to be called The Walking Dead, The Journey So Far, and it's meant to bring people up to speed. I mean, obviously, there's going to be people that just can't that would fucking... That this week, isn't it? The 16th? So did I say October 16th? Yeah, you said the week and before. And this is October 10th. So yeah. it's going to air on October 16th, this which week. is going to be a week, it's this week before the airing of the premiere, which is October 23rd, if I could finish. Thanks. Next week. So. Um, Don't get your smart voice with me. I will get my smart voice with you fucking interrupting me before I'm done with my shit. So the Walking Dead season premiere is going to air October 23rd. Mm. For those who can't math very good, and I actually mm. wrote that on my fucking thing because I knew you were going to do that. So, October 23rd is when the it's Season a, 7 premiere is coming out a week prior to that, which is the dictates. We're going to see The Walking <laughs> Dead, The Journey So Far. I'm not retarded. And obviously, we're on the 10th. You don't have to treat me that so way. So, we're going to see that coming. Treating you how? You're try- I'm trying to give retarded. the spiel on this whole thing. And you're trying you're, to talk to me like I'm retarded. <laughs> I'm not interrupting. You were... I'm interjecting. I'm having a conversation. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing on the conversationalist? No, you're supposed to have a conversation after I give the motherfucking release dates. And you're all like, I thought that. And I'm over here like, can I finish? Can I finish? No. Wow. No. I feel like this is a presidential debate and you're a moderator interrupting me while I'm trying to answer a question you asked me. Give real. <laughs> So, um, I think it's pretty cool that they're doing this um, retrospective special. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that haven't watched one through, you know, season one through six. Those people fail at life. But, um, you know, for those people that do fail at life, they can watch this two-hour retrospective special and get caught up without having to watch seasons one through six. If you have watched seasons one through six, that's pretty lame. And you though. do want to watch the season premiere, you can just watch this for the shits and giggles, like we are. We're still gonna watch it. Why not? I mean, you might be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about that." <laughs> Why would you suddenly jump into a show at season seven? Hey, they're trying to cater to more watchers. You know, newer people, newer fans. Obviously, it's hard to gain traction on fans when you start off season seven. This shit's going on. This two-hour episode catches them up. They get hooked. They start watching from season seven. That's what Netflix hey, is for. Hey, this show's badass. I'm going to go back and watch one through six. You know what I mean? Netflix. I know, but I'm saying they're they're. this is smart. I think this is really smart because 
somebody's not gonna want to go. Oh fuck! Uh, this movie's this this show starts in like three weeks. Uh, you know, three or four weeks. So I'm gonna fucking go. I'm gonna go and 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 fucking start watching seasons one through six like as soon as possible. And that's a shit ton of hours worth of television shows you're gonna have to watch. That's why. You do what we did when we started watching Breaking Bad. You set it up to record for the current season, and you watch the past season so you don't feel obligated to be all up in it, and then you just watch what you've recorded. When you get to that point in time, it works. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see that, but... No, I mean, like I said, I think this you know is just... it works because no, we did it. I know it works because we did it, but I'm saying, from the perspective of somebody that's trying to gain new viewers for The Walking Dead, it's going to be less interesting for somebody to basically come into the middle of a story and become engaged and try to figure out why there's so much turmoil. I mean, obviously we know Negan's a bad person, but I'm saying is that, like, where's all the you know what what are all these people about? Where'd they come from? Like, how'd they get there? You know, what's happened to them between wherever they were and how, you know, where they are now. You know, obviously all that shit's going to get answered in the previous six seasons. But, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, fucking, like, average of ten episodes per season, six seasons, an hour fucking piece. That's a shit ton of time. I mean, you you'd literally have to be watching an episode every single hour, round the clock for, you know, over a week you know, to, to catch up without sleep, you know, in order to catch up. So that's a lot of fucking TV watching. And so there's going to be binging is by definition. (laughs) And if you do what I just said, you don't have to catch up that fast. Just throwing it out there. Oh, well, I mean, you can do it in two weeks and still make the season premiere, but still it's a lot of time. See, it's called rationalization. You can do it. You can do it. You can. Not if you have kids. Even if you have kids. No, they'd be like, we would like zombies, Dad. That's when you put them in the other room with the PlayStation. <laughs> then that's bad parenting. Is it? <laughs> oh, I'm just giving you shit now. But, um, yeah, so I think it's cool. We're totally going to watch it. I mean, we're, we're way caught up. You know, we already basically know what's going to happen. I already know that Maggie's no. going to die. I already know that Maggie Take was going to be was going <laughs> to no wait no wait I already knew that Maggie was going to be the two for kill because she's got the baby and that you Glenn that Glenn's going to lose his mind and he's at some point now going to die too because he's already long overdue for death. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're looking at me like I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong, right? She's going to say that it was her idea. <laughs> She's going to say that this was her theory, but it wasn't. Yes. And we can go back in the earlier shows where we Wrong. talked about this theory. I have said Maggie I was from like, the beginning. I was like, it's going to be Glenn or Maggie most likely. It's going to be Glenn or Maggie most likely. I was like, it could be this person because that would be fucking crazy. But these are the realistic no. choices. And she's over here like, you stole my shit. That was my shit. And I'm like, that you was not. You never picked them. <laughs> yes, I did. I have always said Maggie from the start. You've been like, no, let's pick all these no, other you people. Weren't. You were like, yes. You were like, it's going to be Michonne. No. Nope. Or the redheaded guy, Michael Cuddins. Nope. Yeah. I have always picked Maggie. You were like, always. You were like, it makes the most sense. It makes the most sense. 
I've always been Maggie dead from the beginning. No. And you'll be here freaking everybody else. No. And now you, all of a sudden, no, no. because it's looking more and more like <laughs> no, it's going to be not. Maggie. You're like, oh, yeah, no. Team Maggie's dead no, no, all no, no, the no. way. Woo! Amanda's like all. spring break over here. No, that's not true. No, it is true. You're all, it's going to be Rosita. And I'm over here like Maggie. No. Because what's going to be worse than, okay, not only a main, not only a main member of the group, but a female, and with a baby, two kills, female, Glenn loses his fucking mind, everybody else is going to lose their fucking mind because not only did they lose Maggie, but she lost her fucking baby too. You quit watching those debates. Donald Trump's hand movements that come into here. What the fuck are you talking about? This show is going to be huge. (laughs) It's going to be terrific. It's going to be utterly stupendous. I can't say enough good things about it. It's going to be huge. I picked Maggie first, the end. You didn't. I did. We're going to, you know what? On the next show, we're going to find that previous episode. I'm going to cut that audio out and I'm going to put it in the end of the podcast. Yeah, you're going to edit it. That's where. <laughs> no, it's it not. It sounds like I said something different and you picked Maggie. I've always picked Maggie. Always. Did you say you're going to pick it like Isis said something? What are you talking what? about right now? You said Isis? You said ISIS. Wow. Now like, talk- you're already trying to twist <laughs> my words. The government's probably listening, and it's all your fault. Whatever. So, yeah, uh, at this point, we're pretty much done with the podcast. We got nothing left. We're sputtering with fumes because I chose Maggie. No. Nope. We got a hater alert on my I right. I chose Maggie. And, and so- you, sir, are Jon Snow, what? who knows nothing I picked Maggie, and now you're piggybacking off of my theory because you picked wrong people because you don't you don't know. even know who I picked. You're just saying I didn't know. You don't. You're just saying you I picked the know. wrong person. You don't even know who I picked. So get off me. You pick like everybody else. So you Rotating can check out the. Characters. You can check out um, the uh, the uh, John Wick two trailer. We also actually um, shared. The new Power Rangers trailer that just got released. The Power Rangers trailer looks fucking amazing. If you like Power Rangers like I do, you'll know <laughs> that it's pretty awesome. I think it's going to be a great time. I think it's going to be stupendous. Um, so uh, definitely check out the Power Rangers movie trailer that we posted up on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook at That Conversationalist. Twitter at That Pont that con podcast um you can email us at that conversationalist at gmail.com um we're also on soundcloud if that's where you're finding us if you're not you can download us on itunes check us out there leave a review uh you know whatever you know follow us um either subscribing to soundcloud or on itunes we really appreciate it um so uh until next time when we're doing uh what is it episode well, next uh, episode is going to be episode 35 right because this is the end of episode 34 so uh thanks for listening and uh you know I, we'll, i'm sure we'll probably have one before the premiere and then we'll have one after the premiere when i can gloat about being right about maggie no i chose maggie it's gonna first. Be dope. maggie all the way you chose rosita get out Tiny of here Rick, i chose maggie I chose Maggie. Who would pick Rosita? (laughs) She would have no impact on the group at all. You chose Michonne. No. You chose every woman but 
Maggie. I always chose Maggie. You didn't choose Maggie. So uh, that's the end of episode 34. I'm Jesse. Original OG Maggie. Woo! And I'm here with Amanda Rosita Grossi. No, I didn't choose Rosita. Get out of here. Maggie. uh, Always Maggie. That's our show. Maggie. That's our show. Maggie. So Jesse always right. Amanda (laughs) always wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) That's the end of that. Wrong. So take care. Thank you. Good night. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.